what is your name? Well, my, so take the name, take the name. <laughs> Say, I asked you for your name because you this, then put the name there. Hey, you didn't ask. Uh -huh. <laughs> Say, you this man or woman, Say, after this word, you'll be molded, you'll be transformed, you'll become a new person in the name of Jesus. Say, and so, if you are ready, as I am, join me as I rise to my feet. Join me as I put my hands together and give a wonderful shout. Let's receive our Father, Dr. Leslie Kwakupo. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes, begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just thank him for your life. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his grace that is sufficient for us and for his strength that is made perfect even in the times of our weakness. Just exalt his name, bless him from the depths of your heart. Just lift up your voice and give him praise. Give him glory. Give him praise. In the name of 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. As we are about to hear your word, we pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will quicken our hearts. Let every hardened heart be softened by the power of your word. Pray in the name of Jesus that your word shall come forth with power that will bring about transformation in the lives of your people. We thank you for your word and the fact that our lives are never going to be the same. Jesus' name, I will pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? All right. How many of you are happy to be in church? I saw this question. I have to get ready for it every time. How many of you are happy and excited to be in church today? So you don't sound excited at all. It's like somebody dragged you. I said, how many of you are happy? to be in church this morning. Hallelujah. Yeah, I believe church has been wonderful so far. And um, God is not done with us yet. Amen. In fact, I was very surprised to see Michael leading the song because he had just been whispered to me that he had been rushed to the hospital this morning. So if you look at it, he even has plaster on his hands. But commitment and consistency has made him run away to come to lead the song. Let's put our hands together for him. Hallelujah. And the prayer is that whatever took you there, we curse it to its roots in the name of Jesus. And may it never come back again. Hallelujah. Yeah. How many of you are gearing up for our fasting? Yeah. It's a good thing to fast. Amen. Some of you have put on too much weight. It will be a good time to shed some dead weight. Hallelujah. Yes, so today is what, 15, right? We are starting on the 13th, so we have uh, 15 days more. So start the countdown now. We have 15 days more to our fasting and prayer. And then um, we'll follow the fasting and prayer. We'll announce the exact time or the exact week. We'll have that um, to you. We'll, we'll have our first anniversary celebration. Hallelujah. Yes, of our, our first anniversary celebration. One of the highlights of our first anniversary celebration is that um, one of the days we'll do a special um, fundraising for what we call our property fund. Hallelujah. Yes, property fund. I thought you clapped to that. Yes, we need to buy land. We need to start building. Hallelujah. Yes, we've given ourselves within the next five years or less. It could even be two. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we should have our own ultra modding. And the key word is ultra modding. Wow. Hallelujah. Auditorium somewhere. <laughs> Amen. So we are going to launch the property fund. You know, during the fasting and prayer, as we usually do, every one of the days of the 21 days that we, we fast and pray, we take a charity offering. How many of you remember that? We did it at the beginning of the year. We take a charity offering. Um, the one we did at the beginning of the year, we gave it to the Department of Hematology to help the needy patients fund. But this time around, um, we too, we have needs. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. So everything we take during that time will go to add to the property fund. Hallelujah. Yes. So start saving, start investing, start towards that. Amen. Yeah, I was telling my wife recently that 
me, God has given me an instruction. And when God gives me instructions, I have to obey. And for me, the instruction is that my contribution to the... I'm not saying this to put pressure on you. I'm saying to put pressure on myself so that I'll fulfill it. Hallelujah. You see, when God tells you to do something, it's, it's, it's only in your head. When the devil comes and he starts speaking certain things, you start, oh, maybe it wasn't God that spoke, and then you change the plan. But when I tell you, I have committed myself to it. Hallelujah. So for me, my contribution to the property fund is that I'm selling my car and the, all the proceeds, I'm putting it in the property fund. So I'm telling you, it's like a contract I've signed <laughs> right now. It binds me to it. Hallelujah. So if you know anybody who wants to buy my car, just let me know quickly. Hallelujah. After all, if I, if I sit in Uber, I won't die. Uh, Uber, Uber is nice. So when you sit at the back, you feel like, you know, even now when I don't drive, <laughs> somebody will drive me. Hallelujah. Yes. So I'm going to sell my car and put it in. And I, the only reason I'm telling you is for it to be binding to me. Amen. Yes. Because we need to get our own place. Amen. We need to get our own place. Um, yes, if we move out of here, we'll still leave a branch for students. We still have a branch in Kolebubadi. We need a main place for the church. Hallelujah. Yes, so start planning towards it. Start investing towards it. And uh, I believe God will do something wonderful. Amen. All right. So, as I told you last week, um, I'm going to continue with what I started last week, which I entitled, who, who remembers the title of last week's sermon? Blessed is from Psalm 92. And um, I started, I dealt with the issue of the unicorn that the Bible said, my horn shall thou exalt. Can, I, can we have Psalm 92? Let's start from verse 12. Okay, let's start from the a bit of a recap. It said, But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Next. Mine eye also, my, my eye also shall see my desire on my enemy. And my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Next. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. And he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Next. He said, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Next. Then they shall still bring forth fruit in their old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Let's go back to the verse 12. I spent most of the time last week Sunday on the verse 12 and I spent most of the time talking about the palm tree. I told you about some of the qualities of the palm tree. I did mention the fact that the Bible uses a lot of metaphors. So, um, when it's saying you shall grow like the oil, you shall flourish like the palm tree, it means there are certain qualities of the palm tree that God or the righteous man is supposed to have in his life. And I took you through a number of them. But here also, the Bible is saying that he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And that is where my focus is going to be. So, we are doing a lot of botany now. We did palm tree, and now we are doing the cedar of Lebanon. All right. He's saying, you shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon. So, you ask yourself, what is it about the cedar of Lebanon that 
the psalmist under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit will say that the righteous shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Now, the cedar plant or the cedar tree is one of the most interesting trees you can ever have. In fact, just as the lion is referred to as the king of the jungle or the king of beasts, the cedar is considered as the king of trees. Hallelujah. Mainly because of its sheer size and its, its, there are certain qualities there the cedar has that other trees don't have. For one, the cedar plant has longevity. In fact, there are cedar plants or cedar trees now which have been there for the past 2,000 years. That means those trees were there when Jesus Christ was walking on the surface of the earth and they are still there after now. And it's because of certain unique qualities and certain unique characteristics of the cedar plant. It gives it longevity. It makes it evergreen. It is able to stand every kind of weather. It's able to stand every kind of season. It's able to stand every kind of storm. And that is how your growth is going to be. Hallelujah. He said, you shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon. And why Lebanon? Lebanon because it is a place where you find a lot of cedar trees. If you are familiar with the flag of Lebanon, it's red, white, red, and there is a cedar tree in the middle. Those of you who have seen the, the Lebanese flag before, it's red, white, red, and there's a cedar in the middle. And that is because they have a lot of cedar there, all right? And Lebanon actually comes from, the root word is Lebon, L-E-B-A-W-N, which actually means white, right? And that word is used because Lebanon has a lot of snow. Most trees are not supposed to survive in snowy environments. But there is something about the cedar plant that makes it survive in conditions where others fail to thrive. And that is how your growth is going to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes. So there are a lot of interesting characteristics. The cedar tree can grow very tall. In fact... It can grow to, they say, it can grow to between 120 and 150 feet. Alright? 120 to 150 feet tall. So, if I am 6 feet tall, the cedar will be like, how many times my height? At least 20 times of my height. It's, that would be like a 10-story building or something. Very, very, very tall tree. And its girth, the trunk, they say can have a circumference of about 50 feet. Circumference of 50 feet. This stage, when we're doing it, do you remember the dimension? I think it was about 20, 20 feet. From here to here, it's about 20 feet. It can actually grow to 50 feet. That is a very imposing tree with the height and the girth. And these are the qualities of the cedar plant. It grows more than any other tree. It, it grows taller and it grows wider than any other tree. And that is how your growth is going to be in Jesus' name. So what are some of the reasons for the longevity and these qualities that the cedar plant has? And I'm going to take you through some of them. Number one, when the cedar plant is growing or when the cedar tree is growing, it concentrates on growing downwards first. It concentrates on growing downwards first. 
While other trees that were planted at the same time with the cedar tree are busy sprouting and growing upwards, the cedar tree takes time to grow downwards first. So initially, it will look like it is behind. Initially, it will look like it has stunted growth because you were planted at the same time as this particular tree. And the tree is sprouting. This tree is, is moving up. It's, it's, it's going vertical. But the cedar tree takes time to grow downwards first. In fact, when you see a cedar tree that is about 150 feet tall, it is usually said that the roots can go as deep as its height. So you can actually have roots as long as 150 feet for the cedar plant. So it concentrates on growing downwards first and establishing a strong and a sure foundation. And that is how our growth in every aspect of life should be. Hallelujah. We should be more interested in building strong foundations and unshakable foundations initially than to sprout out for everybody to see us. There are a lot of ministries, there are a lot of businesses, there are a lot of relationships, there are a lot of marriages that have collapsed along the way because the people didn't spend the time to grow downwards first. We are in a hurry to come out. We are in a hurry to, 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 to be exposed. We are in a hurry to, to, to be revealed. But we must take time to grow downwards first. And one of the secrets of the, of the cedar plant is that as it is growing downwards, there are two things. It is looking for a permanent source of water. It will hit some water beds and it will enter those water beds to ensure that whatever the season is, whether it's a dry season or it is a wet season, they have a constant supply of water. And two, the other reason why the roots go very deep is that they look for rocks that are embedded in the ground and they wrap their roots around the rocks for stability. Hallelujah. If it has gone deep and the roots have also been wrapped around a rock, what on earth can uproot this tree? Whatever storm hits, whatever rainfall, whatever thunder, whatever lightning, this tree is going to stand because it has gone deep and it has wrapped itself around the rock. You see, we have a rock. They call him the rock of ages. Hallelujah. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. When you come to Christ, you must concentrate on building a foundation and a relationship with this rock. Wrap yourself around the rock. Have a close, intimate relationship with the rock. Hallelujah. There are a lot of songs in that. We even sang one. It says, Some, 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 something like that. Yeah. And then I like this hymn. Will your cold in the storms of life? Uh, help me. Hey, you, you don't know the words. Fair and few 
So we need we need this rock in our lives. We need to wrap ourselves around this rock. Have an intimate relationship with this rock. And you see, aside Christ, we also need human rocks in our life. Sometimes there are people in your life that are rocks. It's like, you know, these people are dependable. These people, in difficult times, I can count on them. When I need counseling, when I need direction, these are people I can run to. They are human rocks in your life. Look, nobody is a repository of all knowledge. Sometimes you are there, oh, as for me, I don't have any mentors. I, 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 I survive on my own. I, my, my, my source is God. <laughs> my sufficiency is in the Lord. Yes, our sufficiency is in the Lord. But sometimes what God wants to give you, he will wrap it and place it in somebody's mouth or somebody's hands or in somebody's life. Hallelujah. So we need human rocks. We need mentors. In ministry, we need mentors. In our careers, we need mentors. In business, we need mentors. People who have gone ahead of us. People you can run to. That, hey, this is the situation I'm finding myself in. The person will tell you, oh, don't worry. Listen, I've seen it before. Just do this, 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 and it will work for you. Human rocks. So aside rock, the rock, Christ, the rock himself, we also need human rocks in our lives. May the Lord bring human rocks your way. Hallelujah. Yeah. We need to connect ourselves with the right people. When you have mentors, eh, it shortens your journeys in life. Instead of going to take the wrong route and going round and round and round and round until you finally come to where you are supposed to be, when you have a mentor, the mentor can, what the mentor used five years to achieve, they can teach you to use five months to achieve. Because they would have learned from the mistakes. They will know that if you go this way, it is going to be a longer route. Go this way. Do it this way. We need mentors in our lives. Human rocks. We must, we must take time to, to build downwards. You see, when you are starting a business, you don't just get up and immediately you are out there. You must make sure that the structures of the business are correct. Because if you see a building and the building is a skyscraper, it's because its foundations can take that amount of concrete. They have built a foundation or, or made a foundation that is deep enough to be able to take that kind of concrete. If you make a foundation or you, 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 you dig a foundation that is supposed to be for a one-story building and you build a three-story building on it, it is just a matter of time and disaster is going to strike. So what kind of foundation have you laid for those things that you have started in your life? The foundation you lay will determine the heights to which you will go. Most of the time we are in a hurry. We want to start things. But we don't take time to build the structures well. We don't take time to plan properly. The businesses that are, 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 are surviving now in the world, those that are top of business, when you talk to them, you realize that they did things like feasibility studies and all those terms that they use to really prepare themselves before they launched out. Those who just start, instinctive. One day you went to pray and you felt like you heard something. <laughs> And then suddenly you just go bah, 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 and you start things. Yes, it may work for a while. The same with ministry. There are times certain people hit the airwaves and the TV waves. And it's like for a one-year period, it's as if they are the only ministries or men of God in Ghana. After a while, you realize you don't hear of them again. And it's all because their roots were not deep. 
They didn't spend time to build a solid foundation. They didn't spend time growing downwards. They didn't spend time wrapping themselves around Jesus Christ and establishing an intimate relationship with him. They didn't spend time looking for mentors, human rocks to wrap themselves around. They were in a hurry to buy up for everybody to see. After one year, two years. And you see, when you start coming out like that, Satan also notices you. And he will test you with certain wins. And what will determine whether you survive the wind or not is how deep your roots have gone. Hallelujah. Paul was successful in ministry because when he got born again and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he didn't immediately get up and he started, hey, this, 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 I'm setting up a church here. I'm doing this and this. He went and hid himself in Arabia for three years. That was like the Bible school he went to. Spent time with God in prayer, in fastings, in reading of the word. He built his roots so that when he came out and he started propounding doctrines, nobody could argue with him because the man had prepared himself. Hallelujah. Even Jesus Christ, the son of God, the one who came from the very presence of God, he didn't just get up to start ministry. First of all, he was baptized. Secondly, he went into the wilderness, fasted. Not 21 days, but 40 days and 40 nights. Hallelujah. He was building his roots. He was growing downwards. And the interesting thing is that the downward growth is not seen. Nobody sees it. Nobody sees it. During the time of the downward growth, we must be patient. Because then you are not seeing any manifestation. You are not seeing any outward sign. But you are going downward. Hidden. 40 days and 40 nights. Away from everybody. No miracles. No signs. No wonders. No healings. Nothing. But he was growing his roots downwards. I keep asking people, why do you, do you think Jesus Christ didn't start his ministry at the age of 12? He knew enough, he had enough scripture to go and start preaching. Because even the Pharisees who were supposed to be the custodians, they didn't, the guy was confounding Hey, this morning, where did you come from? Quoting the scriptures here and there, interpreting it, surprising everybody. He could have said, oh, I'm ready. Even the Pharisees, who were supposed to be the big men of the time, they can't stand me. Then who can stand against me? If the Pharisees cannot stand me, who can stand against me? But he had to spend time building his roots downwards. Hallelujah. May you have the mentality to grow your roots downwards. Those of you in ministry, if your ministry is going to last, it is going to be dependent on how deep your roots are. It's simple. As simple as that. What roots are you laying? Who do you, do you even call your ministry friends? Because it determines how deep your roots will go. Those you call your ministry friends, your brothers and sisters in ministry, if you are a worshiper, you are a singer, you are a preacher, they determine your mentality, how you see things. That's some preachers, the way they talk and the way they see things, I don't go near them. Because you can easily be affected and you start thinking the same way. People who don't see anything wrong with sin. I don't want to come near you. Because, you see, when you associate with somebody for a very long time, unconsciously you start picking up things from the person. Mannerisms, the way they do things, and even the way they think. You start doing the same thing. People have all sorts of... You know, when it comes to ministry, some people have this mentality of 
the end justifies the mean. It's like at the end of the day, if it will result in the work of God going on, then it is okay. So people can actually, if they want to go and establish a branch of a church outside the country, they will actually get their pastor. Because if you, if you are going to do such a long-term pro- project, you may either have, you must have your papers and those kind of things. People, pastors, I know senior pastors who contract marriages. They'll contract a marriage for you. Go to the U.S., go to this, this, this. contracted marriages so that you have your papers so you can establish the church. Because at the end of the day, the end justifies the means. If you have such people around you, look, no matter how resistant you are, it will get to a time. And when you are seeing that, oh, they are, they are getting results. You, you are there and it's like ministry is stagnating. A lot of people go into all sorts of shady things in ministry simply because they are not seeing the results they expected to see. But I believe everybody who spends time building his roots or going downwards, you will fulfill your ministry at the end of the day. You will fulfill your assignment at the end of the day. Hallelujah. Even in relationships, you have to grow downwards. Sometimes the period of growing downwards is not spectacular. Growing downwards can be difficult because you have to break through the soil. It's not that simple. Actually, growing upwards is easier. There's no resistance. Eh, who cannot break through air? Eh? But this one, there are rocks, there are there's soil, there are stones, and you need to break through. It's, it's difficult. But if you take your time and you go through that period, you realize that the time of coming up becomes easy. That's why you have courtship. And you don't expect that the courtship period will be all roses. Somebody said, oh, yes, even if marriage is a bed of roses, you have to remember that roses have thorns and they will prick you from time to time. So when you're having the difficult times in the preparatory period, the, 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 what do you call it? It could be that you are, you, are, you are breaking through the soil to build a strong foundation. You see, in a relationship, eh? You can't survive if you are not yourself. A lot of people hide their real character because Charlie, as for the ring here, he must put it on my finger. Whether he like, he must put it on my. So they are not themselves. So oh, even when you don't like it, oh, it's fine. It is okay. And then you go to your room and cry. Ah, when he comes, you wipe your face nicely. Ah, everything is okay. You are not building the right foundation. Hallelujah. Let him know that I don't like this one so that he'll work on it and change. Because you can't hide it for long. You get into the marriage, as for marriage, you can't hide. You can't hide. It's not like a relationship where, oh, you meet, uh, if, if you are not on the same campus, you meet once a week, Saturday, you have fun. Oh, you go to uh, Frankie's, you go and, you know, it's all nice and blah, blah, blah. And you leave and you go. Marriage, you day there, I day there. You meet in the house like 30 times a day. <laughs> you sleep on the same bed. You, you can't hide your character for long. Hallelujah. Yeah, so during the period before, bring out the character. So that if the person decides, that's for this character, I can't live with it. He moves his way, you also move your way. Time will heal your wounds. Hallelujah. My principle is that a broken relationship is, bad, is better than a bad marriage. A broken is better 
educated and a bad marriage. So consider the relationship at the time of growing downwards. It may be difficult, but be yourself and give yourself the chance to grow downwards. Hallelujah. It's not about the public display of affection. No. If you make the mistake of, of, of measuring the depth of any relationship by how public... How, you see, when it comes to public display of affection, it's about temperament. You understand? It's about temperament. There are some people who are very comfortable holding hands and doing all the lovey-dovey things. And there are some people too whose love is very deep, but they are not necessarily that open with showing it. Hallelujah. So don't use the outward to judge that, oh, yeah, after this couple, dear, let's pray for them, oh, for the love of God to be kindled. Meanwhile, you see some people who are, they, 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 no, who, who display affection more than the white people? Don't they have a higher rate of divorce than we, the blacks, even though we are chasing them very fast these days? So it's, it's not about the outward, hallelujah. It's about the hidden, what nobody is seeing. What bonding are you building? What kind of bond are you building? What kind of, of, of goals, future goals? And let me tell you, one of the things that bonds two people together is when they have a common goal ahead of them, something they want to achieve together. It becomes difficult to separate them until that thing is achieved. And you see, when you are that bonded, even when one is being achieved, another vision has come. Hallelujah. So you keep going and keep going and keep going. Amen. Let's not be too excited about the outward. It is the foundations that matter. When the foundation of your relationship is strong, whatever wind blows, the relationship will stand. And let me tell you, the young people who are in relationships, one of the things that breaks relationships is the trust issue. When trust is broken like this, eh, it becomes difficult. It's like you become suspicious with every move. And when there is a reason not to trust, trust me, Satan will take advantage of it. The slightest thing the person does, you come and remind you, uh, you remember. You bring into remembrance <laughs> the things that have happened in the past. Anything you will do to build trust and to hold trust, do it. Hallelujah. Including keeping the relationship morally clean. One of the worst things you can do to your relationship is actually to engage in immorality. You see, sometimes we don't understand the Bible. We don't understand God. When God says we should not fornicate, when he says we shouldn't do certain things, people don't understand. They're like, ah. So why did God put their feelings there? Why is it that when I see him, then my system is doing some way? Someone said, when I see them, my heart is doing me collect. <laughs> and your heart is beating. Why, why is it like that? If God didn't want us to do certain things, why is it like that? But God is wiser than all of us. Hallelujah. He knows the complications of some of these things. People have found it difficult to take breakups. And it's because certain things happened that were not supposed to have happened. Hallelujah. I don't need to go into detail. But spiritual enough to know what I'm talking about. Certain things happened which caused soul ties. So they find it difficult. And you see, these things, it will break trust. 
Because at the end of the day, if he's able to do it with you, when he's not married to you, what stops him from doing it to somebody else that he's not married to? Are you getting the point I'm making? Yeah. Subconsciously, trust is broken. We, we, we broke the law. We broke God's commandment together. What stops him or what stops her from doing it with somebody else? So these are the things we need to consider when it comes to building strong foundations. Because look, when you get married eventually, times will come when it is your partner's testimony that will help the relationship to start. Nowadays, there are a lot of mischievous people around, going around accusing people falsely. They see a nice marriage, and Satan just enters them, and they decide that, look, I'm going to cause confusion in this marriage. They will look for the wife's number from somewhere and start sending text messages. Lies. When it comes to such a situation, it is the testimony of the husband that is going to speak. Because it's your word against a stranger's word. And trust me, there are people like that, full of evil, who want to cause trouble. If you have a situation where the gentleman now, he's suspicious already. Having all kinds of flames here and there. If somebody comes and says, ah, this man, this, 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 it is very easy to believe. Hallelujah. But if during your relationship, there are times that your hand wants to move, but your spirit moves the hand back. Hallelujah. And she can testify of that. When the hard times come, you say, I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. Yes. Especially those of you who are going to be great people. I thought I'll hear amens. I said, those of you who are going to be great people. Satan is always waiting for you to reach a certain height. And then he'll come and introduce some lies into it. Look, it's not every scandal that breaks out about any man of God or some politician. It's not everyone that you must believe. Some of these things are cooked from the pits of hell. Recently, there was a Nigerian, popular Nigerian preacher. Some lady in Canada said he's been sleeping with her, he impregnated her, caused her to have an abortion and blah, 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 blah. The only evidence he had was that they have had a video chat before. So she has, you know, the video chat and she did the screenshot. So the man of God's face was there and that's the only evidence. And the man of God said, look, this is somebody who needed help and I was trying to help. But this lady has turned the whole thing around. She said they were sleeping together. They, uh, what do you call it? He, he caused her to have an abortion and blah, 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 saying all sorts of things. And the man of God was like, well, as for the truth, it's like a cock. You try to push it under the water, it will come out one day. So he wasn't defending himself, but his wife came out and said, look, I've been married to this man for 19 years. If he's been unfaithful, if there is infidelity, if there's anybody in this world who will know, it is me. And I can tell you for a fact that I have not had any reason to suspect, to, to, to suspect him of anything. After prayers and prayers, and one day, they were in church. And this lady just broke into the church and came and knelt down. That day, the man of God was in the church. It was the wife who was preaching. Came and knelt down in front of the woman and begged. That some other pastors who were jealous of the man of God came and paid her big money to lie about him just to kill his ministry. If the wife had already been suspicious of him, that would have been his end. 
That is why building solid foundations are very important. Hallelujah. When you're in the relationship and you feel like doing things in the dark, remember that one day it will come back to bite you. Amen. So let's spend time building our roots, letting the roots go downwards. The second quality of the cedar tree is that it grows upwards and outwards. One of the unique things about the cedar is that its branches are horizontal. A lot of branches curve this way, but the, the branches of the cedar plant are horizontal. And that makes it a very good source of shade. It spreads out like that. So a lot of people are able to stay under the cedar tree. Growing horizontally can be likened to having influence. Somebody say influence. So if the Bible is saying that you grow like the cedar tree, it means you are going to have a lot of influence. Hey, you say amen to that. I said you are going to have a lot of influence. Hallelujah. Christians must have influence. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We must affect our environment. We mustn't have the mentality of, oh, let me brighten the corner where I am. And that is how a lot of Christians think. As for me, let me just worship my God and go to my heaven and everything will be okay. But I keep telling people that if just going to heaven was the reason why you became born again, God would have killed you the very day you became born again. So you finish saying the sinner's prayer, no, we have coffins and are you ready? Let's bury them because they are going to heaven. It will be very simple. No temptation to backslide, nothing. You just go to heaven straight. But there's a reason for which Jesus saved you. Hallelujah. For you to be the salt of the earth. Salt cannot, you won't put salt in soup and it will stay in one corner of the soup. It's just a, me, I'm brightening the corner in which I have been put. Salt by nature will diffuse and affect the even if it is small, you will feel its presence in the soup. Hallelujah. If there is darkness in this room and it's in the night, there is no light, and you even have the smallest touch, the moment it enters the room, it will brighten the whole place. Even if to the, it's not to the point where we can see well, we will know that something has come to the room. And that is how our lives are supposed to be. Influence. Don't limit the extent to which you can influence the world. Whether it is a ministry or in politics, I keep encouraging Christians to go into politics. Hallelujah. Yeah. We, we need Christians. Right now, it's like the political scene has been corrupted so much that it's like Christians are even afraid to go there. Because people will concoct lies about you. Young men who can be your grandchildren will sit on air and insult you. Sometimes I, I listen to these political programs and the way they are insulting Nanado. This is a 70, is it 73 or 74 year old man who can be your grandfather and they sit there and insult him. And that is how our politics has become. But we can't continue to leave the politics in the hands of such people. Hallelujah. We need believers to move into these areas and to sanitize the areas. Holy Ghost filled anointed believers who will have visions of the future and, and plans that will sustain the nation. I'm talking about people like Joseph who had a prophetic gift but he didn't use the prophetic gift to stand behind the pulpit, but it was to save the entire world in an administrative position. Hallelujah. Don't shy away from being put in positions of influence. If you are made CEO of Kolebu one day, take the position. Hallelujah. 
If you are made the dean of the medical school one day, take the position. If you are made principal of NTC one day, take the position. If you are made principal of this place one day, take it. Because some people occupy these positions and they become antagonists to the gospel. Unless they don't hear people clapping anywhere. <laughs> there was a time one of the schools. There was no wall. Though. They built a wall. And built a gate. I've not mentioned any names. Though. <laughs> built a wall and built a gate. And in the process, all churches that were meeting there were sacked one by one. There was one church they thought they were untouchable. <laughs> they showed them in the latter days that you are not untouchable. But everybody moved out. And the head's mentality was that it is church that is causing the students not to do well. I said, hey, church, your students Christ in their church, they, they are not regular. <laughs> it's not even one of them that is regular. Do you know the things some people do? You go there at night, four-wheel drive, bagged, Somebody sitting in, going out with somebody's husband. You won't address those issues. But they are not doing well. And the only reason you have is that they are going to church too much. That is why when you are given that position, you must take it. Hallelujah. You must take it. You must take it. There was a time later on. They said no academic facility should be used for any Christian and it's not like you have built a church there. It's not like you have a, a, a part in Legon where, okay, these are buildings for churches. So what are you trying to say? We shouldn't worship. Can you imagine a tertiary institution in this country without church? No church meeting, no prayer going on. A still dry, spiritually bankrupt atmosphere. You will see the kind of students you breed. Hallelujah. That is why I thank God for the life of the principal of this place. Amen. When others are shutting their doors, she's opening her doors. And God will bless her. Amen. Yes. God will bless her. So every year, we make big hampers, very gigantic hamper, and we go and give to her. Hallelujah. Yes. When you, are, when you have the chance to influence to horizontalize your influence, to spread your tentacles, take it. Take it. Influence. The salt must go to every corner. The light must permeate every corner. Oh, media, I just want to swim my yummy and worship my God and be in my corner with my family. No, 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 no. There's a lot of influence. There are a lot of young, young people walking around there. If you only get them closer to you and mentor them. You will stop evil things that are going to happen. There are people walking around in Kolegono here. Their destiny is to get pregnant at age 15. That's the, that's, the, that's the plan for the enemy for their life. If you catch them at age 13 and you start mentoring them, start speaking to them about Christ, befriend them, they'll look at you and say, ah, you've been able to go through nursing school, you're about to become a nurse, you're about to become a doctor. Me too, I can do something with my life. Because for most of those people, all the examples around them are bad. All they see are people who gave birth at 14, people who gave birth at 12, people who gave birth at 10. So for them, that is how life is supposed to be. By 14, you'll be preparing your womb to carry another human being. 
But if we are salt and we are light, we shouldn't sit for such things to happen. Pick some of these people, befriend them, pump them with the word of God. Even the little that you know, trust me, it can make a big difference in their life. Direct them in life. Some of them, you even have to help them financially. If you have money, they say school fees, this, this, this. Pump it in. Help them through life. That is influence. That is when your saltiness is showing. Hallelujah. Influence. Look. The people who have made a name for... The, sometimes eh, you can influence your generation to the point where even your great-grandchildren come and benefit from your influence. Can you imagine somebody in South Africa who goes, there's a queue for filling a certain form. You get there, they ask you your name. What is your name? My name is Franklin Mandela. They'll look at you twice. Everybody else, they'll look at you twice and try and see whether there's a resemblance to the old man. It's because of influence. Hallelujah. And I pray that that will be your story. Your children will have doors open to them when your name is mentioned. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I go to a place and I mention my name, those who know the history of Accra, they say, hey, the children of the old aristocrats. Because, hey, the, my grandfathers and great-grandfathers, they did business here in Accra. Own shops and things like that. So if you're a kwakupum and you're even living from hand to mouth, when they hear the name, they assume that, Tali, <laughs> you are adopted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Influence. Influence. So one day, Blagoji's daughter will go to a place. Mentions the name. What's her name? Anastasia Blagoji. They say, hey, are you related to the great Benjamin Blagoji? Let the doors be open for your children. Hallelujah. I don't know if you like the name Anastasia. I just popped out of my mouth. <laughs> Somebody say influence. You were born to influence. Let your tentacles spread. Business is not for crooks. Hallelujah. That's why when we talk about business, you have this, you know, like back, back, back things and this. It is not for crooks. Hallelujah. Christians must also do business and do it in a legitimate manner. Yes. In a legitimate manner. So that one day, when they are naming Club 100, the top 100, com- uh, what do you call it, companies in Ghana, yours is there. Yes. Because you are making money and pushing the kingdom agenda. I keep telling people, look, I, I get frustrated when it's difficult to raise funds for things in church. You must come to it. The church must be rich. Hallelujah. The church must be rich. And so our richness is not like the money will overtake our minds and we live all our lives. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, including the money, shall follow. Hallelujah. So business is, is not for crooks. The children of God must do business. One of my favorite, uh, what do you call it? Scriptures. Ecclesiastes 11.2. Mm-hmm. Invest in seven and eight ventures. Multiple streams of income. Don't depend controller and accountant. General. And he decides that I'm on leave. I shall not control things again. 
and your life is out of control. Invest seven, eight. This one I was chatting with my wife. She said, okay, she, the Bible says seven or eight. So when she reaches eight, she'll start saying, me, I'll do 20. <laughs> seven or eight is at least. <laughs> I shall do 20. Hallelujah. So let your tentacles spread. Influence your generation. Look for somebody from tomorrow and start influencing the best. You may think your life is a mess, but you are way better than somebody. Hallelujah. Number three. The cedar is resistant to plant viruses and bacteria. A lot of plants or a lot of trees don't survive because at a point in time, just like how humans can be affected by viruses and bacteria, which can cause you to die, these trees can also be infected by some viruses and some bacteria. But the cedar plant can grow to 2,000 years because it is resistant to these. Why? It has a very thick bark, the B-A-R-K. It is so thick and it has this chemical that can fight against viruses and fight against bacteria. So even if the attack of the bacteria comes, even if the attack of the virus comes, the bark and its protection is thick enough for it to be able to survive. Hallelujah. And you have divine protection. The viruses and the bacteria are the attacks from the enemy, human enemies, and non-human enemies, the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness. So the Bible is saying you shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. That means your wall of protection shall be thick and the enemy cannot break through it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Some trees, they are attacked by some things and the time you see they've withered. They died. But not the cedar plant. Their bark is so thick and it's been impregnated with some chemicals. You, the bacteria, you enter and you die. And we Christians, our protection is even at a higher level. Hallelujah. We need to walk in the consciousness of this protection for us to see it in our life. What you are not conscious of, you will not see the effect in your life. If you walk in fear, the enemy will always defeat you. But if you walk as a confident child of God, knowing that you have the full protection of heaven, Satan cannot touch you. Amen. Now, let's look at what the Bible says in just talking about the protection, how our protection is like. You see, for us, our protection is many layers. I can give you a lot of scriptures that will show you the many layers of our protection. At least for one, the Bible says what? The angel of the Lord encamped around who? Exactly. So every believer, you have angelic escort. You don't walk alone. And from today, I want you to walk in that consciousness. Hallelujah. You don't walk alone. You walk with angels around you. I've told you before the story of an old woman, a woman of God, who was crossing a street in America. Zebra crossing. Those places, zebra crossings work. In Ghana, when somebody stops for you at zebra crossing, you cross, you thank the person. Then when you get to the zebra crossing, whether or not there's someone, you have to stop and look. They stopped at the zebra crossing and this woman crossed the street. There were many cars waiting behind. And the first car was still there, even after the woman had crossed. And the people were honking, ping, 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 ping. The woman has finished crossing. Why is your car still there? He alone was seeing that there was a long entourage following the woman. He was waiting for all of them to cross before he starts moving. 
angelic beings following the child of God. And that is your story and that is your portion. Hallelujah. We have a very thick covering. A very thick covering. And these angels that protect us are very powerful beings. When they were going to crucify Jesus, he was like, look, what do you people are doing? I can call upon my father to bring 12 legions. One legion is what, 6,000? 12 legions, I mean, he's talking about 72,000 angels. And from the Bible, we know that at a point in time, one angel killed 70,000 people. In another place, one angel wiped away 185,000 people. So if Jesus can call upon 72,000, multiply 72,000 by 185,000, that would have been the entire Jerusalem wiped out. Hallelujah. So even if you have one angel following you, you are protected. Hallelujah. May you walk in the consciousness of the fact that you don't walk alone. The angels of the Lord encamp around us. And you see, we are actually protected. It's like we, we, we are hidden inside God. You see, that is, that is what the Bible is saying. Let's read um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Colossians 3, 3. Colossians 3, 3. said, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This is a serious protection. Your life is hid with Christ in God. It's like you are taken, you and Christ, made together, and you are all put inside God. What can touch you? You are hid with Christ in God. It's like living in a fortified house. If you can't get God, if I'm in God, and you can't get God, and you can't get Christ, then you cannot get me. It's as simple as that. We are hid with Christ in God. And I pray that this revelation will hit your spirit today and let every fear of anything leave you today in the name of Jesus. We are hid with Christ in God. So it's like you are in a fortified house. But you see, the good thing about this fortification is that it is also mobile. It is not static. It is mobile. Let's read Acts chapter 17, verse 28. And you see that it is like a fortified mobile armored car. Indestructible. It said what? For in him we live and move and have our being. So that means this fortification or this protection, it can be static. So we live in it. You can move in it. So when you move from here to your hostel, that those layers of protection are still with you. Hallelujah. You move from here to Kumasi, those layers are still with you. When you are driving on the highways, Accra to Cape Coast, the fortification is still with you. For in him we live and move and have our being. That means whatever you are doing, you are working, you are eating, you are walking around, you are, the fortification is still there. In him we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. I pray that every fear of the enemy will live your life in the name of Jesus. Fourth quality of the cedar tree. It is rot resistant. It is resistant to rot. That is why they like using the cedar plant in those days. The cedar tree 
for boats and ships. Because when wood comes into contact with water for a very long time, it can rot, but not the cedar part, not the cedar tree. It is rot resistant. And that is why as a believer, you must be resistant to the decay and the rot that is going on around you. Amen. This world is rotten. Everybody say the world is rotten. Or you don't agree that the world is rotten. The world is rotten. There is a lot of evil. And you need to be able to stand your ground. Otherwise, you'll be corrupted by this evil. At the workplace, there is rot. At the police station, there is rot. Government ministries, there is rot, corruption. Ghana Football Association, there is rot. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. But as a believer, you must be resistant to this rot. When the things are happening around you, look, you finish school and friends of yours are making a lot of money by doing TOPs. Termination of pregnancies. Young people who have gone to misbehave and they want to hide their misbehavior. They come to you. And trust me, it is a very, very lucrative thing. There's a hospital here in Accra. They do at least 30 a day. 30. And depending on how advanced the pregnancy is, the least amount they'll take is like 300 Ghana cities. So you multiply the least amount, which is 300 Ghana cities, by 30. That is how much money is coming from there alone in a day. So it's, it's, look, people are making money out of it. But you see, I see termination of pregnancy without a medical cause. It's like human sacrifice to the God of selfishness. Selfishness on the part of the doctor who wants to line his pocket with money and selfishness on the part of the parents of the child who don't want to take responsibility for what they have done. Selfishness. And the argument, oh, but it's not a human being yet. It is just blood. Eh? Jeremiah, you said when you were in your mother's womb, cloth of blood, prophetic anointing was there. Called you as a prophet. That means the moment fertilization starts, destiny begins. You kill that fertilized thing, you have killed and terminated the destiny. It's not just a life, it's destiny. And trust me, those of you in the medical field, make up your mind about these things now. Because sometimes you can you can come to a situation where the story is such that if you may have compassion for the wrong reasons. I've told you before, I was in a consulting room. A woman came. She said, look, doc, I want to terminate the pregnancy. Why do you want to terminate the pregnancy? My husband traveled and his best friend came to visit me and we were drinking. And we drank too much. We got tipsy. And as they always say, one thing led to the other. And she realized she's pregnant. She's like, I don't love him. It's not like I have a, a, relationship, a secret relationship with him. It is just something that happened and this is what it has resulted in. I don't want to lose my marriage. And as a circumstance, if you have not made up your mind about some of these things already, you may be forced to sympathize. 
That's why you have to make up your mind now. Hallelujah. We need to resist the rot that is around us. The Bible says what? Have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So that means staying away from the unfruitful works of darkness alone is not enough by Christian standards. Expose. Exposing them doesn't necessarily mean you should go and stand on the rooftop and say, hey, this person, thou art a sinner, repent. Exposing means exposing it to the person. Telling the person that this thing that you are doing is wrong. Paying bribe. It has become common. It's like it's, it's now becoming normal. Government institutions, you want something to be done for you. Forms. You go and put the forms there and you are leaving. You are going. You won't put weight on the form. The wind will blow it under that chair. And trust me, you will come back after two years and it's under some chair. Nobody will work on it. Because some weight has been placed on it. But the Lord is giving us resistance against all the rot in the atmosphere. All kinds of moral decay. It's all around us. Oh, lie to get your way through things. It is also part of the rot. But we are resistant to the rot. Hallelujah. Finally, the cedar tree is stable. Everybody say stable. The cedar tree doesn't sway one way this way, this today, and sway another way tomorrow. It is stable. It has stability. And if you are going to grow like the, st- like the cedar tree, your life is going to be stable. Hallelujah. You are going to have emotional stability. It is one area where a lot of people are unstable, emotional, when it comes to the emotional aspect of things. Things like fear can bring emotional instability. Things like anxiety can bring emotional instability. Sometimes we don't have self-control, control over our temper, over our, 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 our speech. It's a sign of instability. There are some people, like their instability, if you have to draw a graph of their emotional state, it's, it's like this, in a day, so many fluctuations. One moment you are with them, they are fine, they are happy. Let them enter, go out and come back right now. Their whole mood has changed. Just because maybe somebody says something outside or they heard something. You see, you will hear things. Things will come your way. People will say things. All kinds of things will happen. But if you are stable, you still remain focused. And it's not obvious that something has changed your mood. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah, sometimes we are, we are too erratic. There are some people, you don't know what you will get the next second. You are happy. And you see, when people are dealing with such people, they are guarded emotionally. Because right now, we are happy, we are smiling, we are... Let something take the person off, and you will see the exact opposite. The person will flare up, and, and the next moment, the person expects that, oh, we are fine again. <laughs> Have you seen people like that before? It's like, as if nothing has happened. It is emotional instability. If you are like the cedar tree, you don't believe you don't behave like that. Hallelujah. Yeah. Things will hit you. People will annoy you, but you are still stable. You are still fine. You are still cool. You are still composed. A wind blows, which is supposed to make you, but you are still composed. You are like Mount Zion, unmovable, unshakable. 
It doesn't mean you haven't felt what has happened, but you have mastered control over the environment and the situations that are around you. Hallelujah. Some people are unstable in terms of their belief. Today they believe God is a wonderful God. Tomorrow they are wondering whether Jesus is really the Messiah. John the Baptist cried, he had a bit of instability. One moment, hey, his shoes, I am unworthy to untie. This one that comes is greater than I. I baptize you with water unto, unto repentance, but he will baptize you with Oja, the Holy Ghost, and with fire. Next moment, he had been, what do you call it, arrested in prison, expecting that Jesus will come, come and visit him with juice, bread. Oh, brother, I sympathize with you. But Jesus was busy casting out demons and preaching and doing all kinds of stuff. Jesus didn't come to. No, he was like, hey, is he the Messiah or we are to expect another instability? Hallelujah. When the times are good, you should still sing the praises of God. When the times are bad, you still sing the praises of God. Through the good, the bad, the ugly. God must remain God. Hallelujah. That is the life of somebody who is growing like the cedar plant. Not that old. Some misfortune comes and suddenly, hey, God, even Jesus Christ, are we sure that he's really the son of God? When they said he resurrected, cry. Did he really resurrect from the dead? And doubts come into your mind. That is instability. Spiritual instability. Instability in your faith. But I see your faith being strengthened. I see your faith being unmovable. I see your faith being unshakable in spite of whatever situation you find yourself in. When there is rejoicing, you still believe in God. When there is sorrow, you are still a worshiper. When there is joy, you are still a praiser of God. If there is any word like that, hallelujah. Shall we stand to our feet? We want to pray. You want to spend some time praying. You want to tell God, your word has prophesied that my growth shall be like the growth of the cedar plant. You want to pray that, Lord, bring stability into my life. Let me be unmovable. Let me be unshakable. Let me see your hand in terms of divine protection in my life. May I be more resistant than I've ever been to the forces of darkness and the enemies of God. Help me to build my roots. Let me go downwards first. And let me spread my tentacles and influence my generation like never before. Lift up the force and begin to pray. In the name of Jesus Let's 
you want to pray you want to come against every resistance to your growth whether it's upward growth or downward growth every kind of resistance that makes it impossible for you to grow you want to come against it in the name of Jesus I'm sure in your life you know the things that are hindrances to your growth to your manifestation the Bible says for the earnest expectation of the creature awaits the manifestation of the sons of God we want to come against every resistance to your growth in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we want to pray and thank the Lord for the word you've received. Bible says in the book of Psalms that he sent forth his word and healed them of their diseases and delivered them from their distractions. It means when God is about to bring deliverance, sometimes he sends a word. We want to pray and thank God for the word you've heard. 
Father, we thank you for the word. You want to thank God for the life of Daddy. For being a vessel that has been used to bless us mightly this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can take our seats in the presence of the Lord.